Welcome to the Master in a Game podcast with me, your host, Drew Broughton. I was really passionate about setting up a series of conversations which I felt would offer identification, hope, strength, and a guiding light to many. Mastering your inner game is not an easy path. It's not one that's about achieving money or status. It's about constantly looking in the mirror and improving the areas of ourselves that are stopping us, prohibiting us from fulfilling who we are at a core level. In relationships, in business, in sport, in all areas of our lives. There are many tools used when trying to become the best version of ourselves. Honesty and vulnerability, two of the most powerful. To be completely authentic. If there's one thing I've learned about my journey of nearly 30 years now in professional sport and self-development, it's that being truly authentic is the key. If you feel inspired, get identification, or feel passionate about anything you've heard here in these conversations, then please reach out to me. Also, use your own social media to spread the message. The true strength, true performance, lies in honesty, authenticity, and vulnerability. Enjoy listening. So welcome to another episode of uh, The Gift is the Curse with me, your host, Drew Broughton. Um, today... You know, as has been the theme for all the things I've done. We're, we're at the Royal Victoria Docks here in um, in London at Wake Up Dockland, City's London City's only cable wake park within the central transport network, which is pretty incredible. It's like an oasis here in the middle of middle of the city. It really is, and, uh, and I think it's a really apt venue for um, for the interview today with today's guest. Getting away from it, switching off, healthy escapisms, all of those things. Um, my guest today, I've known for over 25 years. When I was 12 years old, I left middle school and went to Bedford School, an all-boys school with uh, a history of sporting excellence, which for me at that period was important. I remember being really scared, thinking I was going to be the, lo- the loner there from a single-parent family, absolute middle class at best, far removed from the world I was used to being in. And I was quite nervous about that. I remember going there. And um, over the four years between 12 and 16, um, I met some really, really great people. Um, normal middle-class guys like me, whose parents <coughs> placed, a, placed an educa- placed a, placed a strong um, emphasis on a good education. Um, I left school at 16 to pursue my dreams as being a footballer, but the, the school was full of many talented individuals. 18 months ago, I decided to enter the world of social media um, to basically, you know, to put out my powerful message and see what came back. Quickly, I started to, to receive feedback and messages. One of those was from the man sitting next to me. An old school friend and someone I hadn't hadn't really touched base with for probably 15 years. I'm going to start here. I mean, I wouldn't say overly studious, not overly intelligent, <laughs> like myself, academically speaking. Yet here we are, uh, sole director of a, of a big city tech consultancy, over our shoulder there. Um, firstly, well done, Pat. Uh, what a great achievement, mate. Um, Very kind words. Yeah. So let's start, because this is called The Gift is the Curse, and it's about individuals, I think, who have that gift of a drive, yet also really great human beings. What, what was school like for you? What was that period like for you? So maybe a good starting point would be to share I had the, exactly the same feelings as you at 12. I'd yeah. gone from a state school and telling everyone at the state school that I was going to go to a private school <laughs> and got absolutely rinsed for that, yeah, yeah, yeah. by everyone else saying that you're going to some posh uh, private school. But when I got there, I realised pretty much the same as you, that you know a lot of the uh, parents were hard-working parents who just wanted the best for their kids. Yeah. There was no uh, elitist society that I thought existed in this, this world. And I, I guess... Well, uh, what was school like for me it was good yeah on the whole it was brilliant um like you said i wasn't um 
I wasn't academically interested, I think, was the team. I wasn't. I didn't learn like everyone else did. I wasn't great at parrot learning, so I, w- I wasn't very keen on it. So I guess really I had a great time, but, but most of it was exercise through one various different, either uh, um, sport or, or art or other different forms rather than academic learning. That, that was my... I was lucky enough to get a guy, a guy called Guy Fletcher, who was my... Um, uh, he was in charge of our uh, our set, and uh, he was the, in charge of games at the school. So really, I just played squash, tennis, football, hockey, uh, anything that had a ball that I could chase around for hours was was my game basically. When when was the first time you remember having this? Um, I don't know, having this appetite for business or this or this this this, this not not really appetite for business, but this ability or this this drive to. What, I had a, I mean, I think, you know, loads of people say that they're born with it or whatever else, but I probably stumbled across it by an accident, um, by accident at school. I um, joined this thing called the Young Enterprise uh, at, at, at Bedford School, and uh, it was basically to set up people um, that had an interest in buying and selling things, and uh, you know, in the loose sense, which is business. Um, and I did this with a group of people at, um, at Bedford School, and uh, I wrote off to a bunch of fishing companies. Uh, to get uh, some secondhand uh, fishing stuff to sell on to all the people I used to go fishing with at the weekends, uh, and it, it went crazy. We, um, I wrote off, and loads of fishing companies were really excited by it and sent me loads of stuff back. And all of a sudden, I was walking around with fifty pound notes in my pocket, and uh, I just liked the buzz of buying and selling uh, stuff and making a profit on it. And that, that, that was it really. And that we, we got into the quarterfinals of the, um, I can't remember what the competition was the, across the UK, uh, and then from then on, I was, I was uh, inspired and motivated. Uh, about how I could, you know, I could trade or buy and sell stuff, and that—that's probably what got me the first inkling into it. I mean, looking back, what what was what was different about you to the other guys who were doing that? What do you think? Oh, that's a sure great question. I'm not sure there's an obvious answer, but I don't think there is. I just enjoyed it. I just really enjoyed it. Which I think bit? once you find uh, just the, you know, the wheeling and dealing, the ducking and diving, the you know, making something out of nothing, and uh, and then being left with something that you, you know you you have nothing. And then all of a sudden you've got something. I just got I got motivated by it. I'm sure like other people, I was lucky enough to find what I was motiv- motivated by very early on. The downside was is that I lost my appetite for an interest in school very very quickly because mm. of that. And mm. So then after after my uh, GCSEs, I uh, thought I could do my levels in a year, which is pretty funny because obviously I couldn't. <laughs> I got phone my. You're jealous here, aren't you? Yeah, some I'm guys very jealous. My shoulder here doing some. So I uh, I I failed my A levels. Uh, uh, well, I got I, I got a D and an E in my in my first year. Then I resat them again in the local college and got another E. Mm. And then I thought it'd be funny to resit them the third time. <laughs> Which time? Why, why did you waste your I time? I just could not even I uh, could not bring it to phone my mum and say that I dropped out of another two A levels and I'd got another E. So I'd come out of three years of A levels and got a D and two E's. Was anyone judging you at that time? Was it, do you remember teachers or do you remember anyone kind of oh, saying wow. what are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Go on, like give me some examples. Um, I think there's just uh, the culture. Certainly, when we were we were at school, was um, the, the holy grail is going to university, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but uh, it wasn't right for me. Um, I was very fortunate that my mum and dad didn't judge me for it. That neither of them went to university, so they just weren't bothered. Uh, they just wanted me to do something rather than nothing, if that makes sense. Mm. So no, I was I was quite lucky. But yeah, in, ge- in general, yeah, absolutely. The life is full of people judging others. If if we had a uh, uh, not been too philosophical here, but if we had a bunch of uh, people that didn't judge others, the world would be a much better place. Yeah, I probably can name one of my friends that 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 uh, is very unjudgmental. Apart from it's that, every gift. single one else is a great yeah. gift. Yeah, and he's a pastor. Um, so so you so you lead, so by that stage you're very clear. Look, I'm I seem to have this. You want to make money, or you have this knack for yes. Yeah, you want to make and money. sales. Yeah, I want to sell stuff and, and make money. Yeah. 
So I, le- I left and went. Um, I went down to the city. I got a job doing ad sales, classic uh, uh, selling advertising space uh, for, for a company. Um, had it off for three or four months and then the company went bust. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't work out very well for me. Yeah. So um, we left that and I uh, went uh, into estate agency, um, which I left very quickly as well, not not of my own accord. I got caught faxing my CV off to my uh, friend and then the fax report came through to my boss at the end of the day. So I get a call into his office and he says, and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to get a promotion. I've just sold three houses this month. This, no one's ever done this at 18. Yeah. And he puts the, the fax transmission on the desk and said, do you want to go or <laughs> shall I sack you? <laughs> to which my response was, I've already got the job, so I'm off. Thanks very much. See, there's a, there's a great, <laughs> but see, there's a great example, isn't there? Let's just take that example, right? So you've sold three houses. Yeah, it was a, I was only 18. That was a great response. Yeah. yeah, incredible. And being ambitious and driven, you thought, well, you know, if I get my CV off, I can make else, more elsewhere. Yeah. How hard was that boss to sit down, laugh with you, and go, I love that. I'd have done exactly the same, but look, man, I, I, stay yeah. here with me. What have they offered you? I'll match it. What are they, yeah. What, uh, why doesn't that... You know, this is life. Why doesn't that conversation occur? This is what I'm talking about, leadership. I, I, I think the, the, the problem was is he uh, just got bitter about it, and I think that's the whole point, isn't it? And I, I'm just a big believer that if you can't offer something that someone is going to get somewhere else, they have to go somewhere else. That's life, isn't it? Happens in any 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 walk of life or any place that you are. But they try and offer you something. Yeah, but he couldn't offer me. But the, he the, the trouble is with what what they were doing is, um, oh, I'm going to get caught out here. Uh, estate agency is not really selling. You know, you're no. not. You know, you can't you can't convince no, someone sure, to buy a house they sure. don't want. It's a ridiculous yeah. statement. Yeah, sure. They either like it or they don't like <laughs> yeah. it, and then there's a bit of negotiation somewhere in the line yeah. down the line but that yeah. you certainly can't commit someone <laughs> yeah. to buy a three bed house <laughs> terrace house and they want a you know a four bed detached in the middle of the country it's not so, so you leave that place yep so you're 18 you've already done three jobs two jobs three two jobs, jobs two yeah. jobs what, what are you, where are you next I am um, I thought the only place to go then was London or back to London where I was before uh, got a job in uh, in one of the fastest growing um, uh, re- recruitment firms called S3 uh, and that was a sort of bit of a baptism of fire, really, a bit boiler roomy. Uh, a great uh, experience and the best thing I, that will ever set me up. But yeah, it was, it was brutal. Go on. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm sure anyone that started in sales in the 90s or the 2000s would have experienced it. But yeah, just. Uh, the picture. I mean, we'll talk about football in a minute and my, my experience of that exact culture. So, because um, we're going to, in the second part of this, we'll yeah. get into cultures and we'll get into a bit deeper stuff. But. Paint the picture. What? Go on. So uh, you know, you walk in the door. You've uh, got to sell. Yeah, it's a walk in the door. It's a high achievers. Uh, no room for failure. Um, y- you know, you either sell or you don't sell. You out. It's really, really simple. There's no, uh, no. You know, there's no dressing up. You're, you know, you're standing on the, you know, standing on the phone for five, six hours a day. You're measured on your call stats, your phone stats, your every single stat you could possibly do. You're a hero when you're doing it, and you're hated when you're not doing it. And it doesn't matter from month to month. You could be the top man one month, and you could be the you know, the bottom man next month. Yeah, and the, the, yeah I bet you can. Um, mm. And it's funny because I, I don't know what drove me to get excited by that. <laughs> it's a horrible, brutal environment that you can be. You know, I was the fastest promoted, uh, one of the fastest promoted people in the business. Uh, at that time at that time I was three months in I was 18 uh, I looked like I was 12 I didn't, I didn't <laughs> sh- shave like once a month and um, and then I, I, I had this promotion I was you know I was, all of a sudden I was like this is amazing mm. um, went out to celebrate and then you, you come in on the Monday and you're nothing again yeah. 
and then I'd, I and then I couldn't write any business for three months and nearly got sacked. <laughs> so I'd gone from being like their fastest promoted person to nearly losing my job. Uh, I can tell you what I stuck at it. No, we say there was just this burning thing that said, "I want to, I want to, I want to." You know, I'm not going. You're not, you're not kicking me out of this. I'm, I'm having this. This is where it's well, going. With, with, you know, it's called the gift is a curse, and like I say, we'll get deeper into it. But that, that, that deeper thing that's not letting you quit. No. You know, today it doesn't let you quit the gym. No. It doesn't let you quit any scenario. You, you know, you, you and I. Have it hurts about me though. Go on. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, a bit like you said. I mean, sometimes I wish it would just let me go. I'd have a much easier life. Much I've easier a, life. You know, I've a, definitely have a, a, a problem with letting things go and um, knowing where the line is and what my level of success is and, and how it is. And, you know, quite often I'm never really happy. And I'm sure other people would look at my life and say, wow, you, you've got you've got everything. But, you know... Um, no, I'll get something and I want something else. And, and like I said, we'll, you know, we'll go into that in the second yeah. part, but I want to put your journey towards where you are today. Yep. So you're in there, you're selling, you're smashing it, then you've dropped off it for a few months. Yeah. Fear, fear, look, people use, in football, for me for years, fear was, fear was the, the motivator. Fear of losing your place in yeah. the team, fear of not making the money, yeah. fear of not achieving your goals, fear, fear, fear. Yeah. And it drives you to a point. Yes. Talk about that. I mean, fear fear obviously was the driver, but then inside you... They, they built a business based on fear, and it was brilliant, and mm. they managed to execute that for 10 or 15 years, and Many then they managed to float. And they, yeah. uh, arguably, the the founders of that business, S3, went on to be the most prolific people in recruitment. Mm. They were hated as much as they were loved and inspired. And, uh, Barclays invested a, a bunch of money in them early on and made very good money out of it. But the whole business was driven on fear. But I think that was a lot, you know, that was all businesses in the 90s and 2000s, like you said. Yeah. No one talks about feelings. I didn't pull my boss into the room and suddenly say, oh, I'm not feeling it today. I'd, I'd, um, <laughs> I'd be showing my P45 and said, get out. I don't know how but, you can handle that. But, uh, but has that changed today? No. No, which we'll it's, it's changed in, in pockets, uh, in pockets. but the, you know there's loads to talk about mental health and everything else. But you just what you find is just uh, people love a buzzword and they get on it, and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. no one has a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> but they jump on this uh, buzzword, and all of a sudden they've changed. In order to change a culture, you you, you can't just talk about uh, buzzwords. You need to um, you look need to look a lot deeper inside. Yeah. You, you know, and that's that's not easy. No one wants to do that. No, no, it's certainly not. And, yeah. and again, it's amazing how quick we've got this deep. I think we're 12 and a half minutes in here. And we're already <laughs> I keep having to pull, a, pull us out of the well of depth here and get us back to it. So you're smashing it there. Yep. You, you leave there after how long? So I was on and off. I smashed it, then I didn't, yeah, then yeah. I did. And it, if when you I'm didn't, what happened when you didn't? Why, why weren't, when you were smashing it, what were you doing? And when you weren't achieving and smashing it, what were you doing? What I think I realised very early on that um, I wasn't uh, good at conforming and, and I wasn't good at... Uh, I wasn't motivated by fear. I was like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care if I lose my job. I'm just go and get another job. I, I think the, the more they ran that down my throat, and the more, you know, and I come out of um, school a bit like you did, and I just didn't like the whole, you know, conforming to yeah. stuff. And I'm having to be here, and that, you know, I remember very early on, you get in before your boss, you leave after your boss, you have an hour lunch break between one and two. It's, it's absolutely farcical. Mm. There's like forty year old blokes <laughs> that are taking their lunch between one and two. And three kids. <laughs> With three kids, yeah. and you're like, yeah, you're getting whipped at home. You then get whipped, at, you know, in the office. It's like, yeah. really, come on. So I left. I left. I resigned. Um, they managed. So, to so when to you were, when you were, do, I just want to. So when on. you were doing when you were doing really well there. It was because you were in your flow, in being flow, you. Yeah. When you weren't doing well, complacency sometimes, or not complacent. I wasn't complacent. I just wasn't motivated, motivated. by the way 
they came down on KPIs and metrics and things like that, and it didn't do it for me. The minute I started looking at all of that science and data and uh, shit, yeah. I, I then like lost what really was was my definite. Uh, sound really uh, you know wanky but gift about just speaking to people and leveling yeah. with them and saying look you know what is this what you're looking for and can yeah. i help you and if yeah. i can't i'll just get off the phone i don't care i'll just phone someone else yeah um and and that's what i lost really and i think um but, 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 but when you're in that point when you were doing yeah. really well i want to linger back on it would, was there a moment where because that drop off that tail off yeah. which sometimes would last you at that period you're waiting two months three months yeah yeah i mean it can't be anything different to any other any other sport or any other thing because you you'd be period, demotivated you yeah. just you'd almost think i just don't want to be here totally yeah yeah and then you get to a point where you're like i don't want to be here and then your performance drops off and then guess what your boss calls you in a room and, and calls you every name under the sun which doesn't help the situation oh. because i'm feeling um like i'm not worth it or i'm not feeling in the zone so yeah, that's, that's exactly where it went, and it went up and down, and it ebbed and flowed. Um, but if I'm honest with you, I never, it never really, I never had a sustained period of um, of goodness there. It wasn't until I left and went to my next place where I, got, I kind of got a bit more um, excited and, and and understood in what type of environment I work work best in. If I make so sense. you left, you left S3, S3 after. Yeah, I did a couple of years there. Left and then went to uh, went to go and work for a uh, startup firm, and it was uh, totally the opposite. They were like, "You just come in when you you want, you leave when you want." Uh, it was back in the early two thousands in the dot com boom. So anyone remembers that? I used to rock up to work in my flip flops. I had a Motorola StarTac. I had an <laughs> IBM ThinkPad, and we all thought we were dot com uh, people, but we were just a bunch of tossers with mobile phones <laughs> and laptops. <laughs> but you know they. I just found a new, uh, found, uh, you know, I was motivated by myself. I didn't need someone to shout at me at eight o'clock in the morning. I just came in. Uh, that's the funny thing about it. They definitely, uh, they definitely got that right. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, that's probably my, one of my sort of parts of my career that I had the, the most, uh, most joy. I was there, only there for two, two and a bit years again. Um, worked with a couple of really inspirational people. Um, and we, off the back of that, we, there was no grand plan for it. You know, everyone has this thing about, you know, oh my God, I was an entrepreneur when I was three. No, it's what a load of wank that is. I, I, we just met, I met two of the guys, we got on really well, and we just said, let's go and set a business up. We can do it better than the guys that were doing it. But you, but you say, you say, you know, people say they're an entrepreneur from three. I, I, I believe it's, it, it, the gift, it's a, it's a gift. The gi- what's the gift? The gift is, we almost can't, it's not tangible. No, it's not. But it's a gift. So when you make when you decide to set that up, yeah, yeah it's really getting together over a bit, yeah. a bit of experience, going we could do this better ourselves. Yeah. But then here you are, eighteen years on. Yeah. <laughs> For me, the greatest gift, and, and it's seen as ugly in this culture today, that's glossy in the in, in the business world. Yeah. Certainly in the sports world, everyone wants the glossy version. Yeah. The biggest gift is is is. is is desire is the graft yeah. yeah and Sir Alex Ferguson I heard him describe it, it, it the hard work's not given and the great the great players almost it's a gift this level of yeah. desire they'll go to Definitely. Roy Keane in the football world I mean Man United and a plethora of them all the top teams Man City have them now in the football world yeah. but it, it, see your, your greatest gift well, there's a couple of them is that desire to hang in there Again, I couldn't uh, tell you where it comes from. I don't. I don't know. My my uh, mum my or dad are not uh, driven in that way. In terms of, w- uh, they were very very motivated to work hard, mm. but they weren't driven by that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Seventeen years in, I'm still I'm still driven. My uh, my gift I'll give back to anyone in the business is that the minute I lose that drive and ambition, I'll I'll give the business to the team. They can have it and carry it on. Yeah. But for for now, I just love. Uh, 
uh, love being in the gutter and being kicked and uh, and enjoying it. Like you said, like that's the. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't find it. A, I don't find it. A, uh, I don't find it, some days. Of course, I find it hard, but yeah, I enjoy it. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not grimy or a graft for me. No, I. It makes me feel alive. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some <again>. days it doesn't. <laughs> some days <laughs> it hurts me <laughs> to the core. Again, the second part of this is where we really dig into this stuff. This, 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 this. You know, I, I can relate to it. There's almost a bring the pain on, more pain, yeah, no it's problem. Weird. I don't know where it comes from. Well, we dig into all that. I've got some ideas on it which we'll discuss. But so, so you set the company up, and then um, where, where you know, there's three of you. Then yep. it's hard work, right? Set, yeah. it, it's to set that up in London, ground rent offices yeah. how did that how did you how did you even get well, we were, the first I think we were 22 I think I was 20 22 when we did it so um so when we set it up it was was uh uh was September can you believe this September 2001 mm. so the first month we set up um they obviously the twin towers happened and we'd gone from writing business freely as a, as a threesome in in every account you could possibly imagine in in a sales environment to no, no one hired anyone after September the 11th. No companies. We, the world went into a recession, and the first thing in a recession that happens is people don't they don't build teams, they don't deliver anything, they don't hire. They they shut down. So we had um, nearly a year of being on our ass. Yeah, we went from being the top people in my old business um, to basically nothing. It was it was, uh, it was humbling. Bruce. Very humbling. Yeah, yeah. And we we put money into the business. We didn't get paid. No. I didn't get paid for 18 months. Yeah. Uh, I know everyone's always got a sub story of no, but it's important business, that we talk about. You've got stuff. to understand it's, it's an 18 month. Yeah, mm. um, would I have had the balls to do that with a family and kids, and everything else? I'm not sure I would. So maybe timing had a, had a part to play in it. But it was a humbling time when you don't, uh, you, yeah, you question your own belief, your sanity, whether you can do it. Um, you're not getting paid. You're racking up bills on your credit card. Um, and what yeah. keeps you coming back? I don't know. Well, <laughs> but there's something in there. There is, yeah. Yeah. The, the, did, you have, did you always have a vision? Was there a vi- did you, it's not a clear vision of, of exactly what it looked like? But was there was was there this place that would always because I, I I did still I do now in my new career. But this like I know I can yeah, see is. what it I can see it. Yeah, I, I've had a, I've had a little um, a little sniff of it. I'd mentioned briefly we, I was one of the co-founders in a, in a charity, and that went from uh, you know a bunch of random meetings. I was going to let's yeah. talk about that because that's actually my notes to discuss. So let's use that as an example. It was the it was the egg, wasn't it? The, the, the yeah, the big egg hunt. So I was just a, uh, I was a small cog in the wheel or a part of it, but we um, I did some volunteer work for a, a charity called Chance UK, and we uh, I finished that. It was very very worthwhile and rewarding, but I just thought I could give back more. Hmm. I thought I could. Uh, help them raise more money and, and do more things than actually mentoring, which is what I was doing. Uh, and for the first year, it was nothing uh, short of shambolic. I arranged a bunch of city quizzes. I, I, I pilfered. I got as many mates as I could to donate money, and it was just hard work getting people to donate, you know, 500 quid or a grand for a night. And anyway, we came up with this concept, and uh, Rachel Waldron was the, uh, was the driving factor behind it, and it went from a concept to an idea to... Um, to a charity that raised a couple of million quid in its first year, and it, and it got sponsored by Fabergé, and it's now gone across the across the the world. Uh, where does this link in with the story? Well, that that's my sort of vision for the business. I, I, I've got a bit like maybe a bit like you. I share the same view. I've I've got something. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I have a, a view or, or vision that um, uh, the business will uh, the business will grow into something. But through those dark times in the early days, you yeah. still had that vision. Yeah, definitely. 
people I, get I've through this had it, yeah. this. Yeah, I've always had it. I, I question it 17 years on whether I can deliver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, still, I'm still going. Um, but no, it's definitely still there. It's, it's the same as that, that burning desire I reckon I had when I first set up. The difference is I was very, very young and probably didn't actually know what it looked, how like. To, yeah, what it looked like and how to get there. Um, and there's definitely something for, for those wall scars that get you to that, that place that help massively. Mm. So, so, I mean, but the energy it takes going into setting that or, or putting, you know, the charity stuff, yeah. you take it from the ground and within within first couple of years, a couple of million quid there or first year, you know, what? but what place is that? And there's a huge moral compass as well. And this is what I find yeah. fascinating with this. That's why I wanted to start this series. And now yeah. I'm coaching for the four or five years now, all these different top performers in golf and football and yeah. business there's a there's a common trait one yeah. is this absolute animal inside that you yeah. could literally rip its both arms and legs off and it'd still come back <laughs> that seed out of Monty Python <laughs> yes. where they cut arms and legs off yeah. and the head's going yeah you're running away you coward uh, you know, uh, I've had that <laughs> been five foot five I've had to fight for everything I've got yeah so there's that in there but then there's this huge moral always this huge moral moral compass there's yeah. this if I'm honest with you, we probably lost that in the first 10 or 15 years of okay. the business. And I think what, what's pulled the business back from where it is, I didn't really lose it. I just, you know, we got, you know, classic, got non-execs in that tell you how to do things and what you do. And then it's all about profit and bottom line. And, and again, it's going to sound really, um, uh, you know, it might not sound true the way it's written. But basically, if you, you know, if you provide an unbelievable service to your customers, the money will follow. That's how it works. Yeah. And not being driven by that, but in the first early years, and if I look at why the business stagnated for 10 years and it ran, you know, we did really well and we earned good money out of it and we, we grew it to a certain level, but the reason it stopped growing was because we were too focused on What level money. did you get it to financially? The reason I ask is I just think it's good for listeners to hear the level you got to. Well, we went, it went as a lifestyle for, for a while and then it went from, uh, the last five years went from a, around 8 million to about 35 million turnover. It's a huge jump. It was a big jump, yeah, but you know it was all hollow. That's just the whole point, mm -hmm. you know. When you're focused around the money and delivering money, and the you, you know you're looking at it for the the, the wrong reasons, your accountants and your ear going on about this. The, the, the bottom line is, you know, you get the money's going to come good. I know that's not what an accountant wants to hear, <laughs> but that that's the difference. To, you know why the accountant is the accountant, and you're running the business because you just you have a feeling, you know it will come good. You know that if you do a good job for you know for your customer mm. you know it will come good mm. um you still have to ask for it don't get me wrong and then the customer doesn't phone you up and say here you go they still negotiate very hard with you but then that's where you you know that that's when like you said your moral compass comes in and says no i've delivered a great service if you think you can get that elsewhere for less then well good luck to you go and do that i think it's a brilliant way to to, to drift into the break which is a couple of minutes yeah. away because because <laughs> as things grow and as you escalate that jump from eight million to whatever 35 whatever that jump is you, there is more people and there is more noise and probably what what comes certainly I see it in sport as the performance increases so performance level increases output increases you're going to get the team more results you're going to get the the club the business more results because of what you do on a pitch golf course you <laughs> more noise yeah more people then go shit what if we lose yeah. right back down fear. the hitches hatches let's 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 get more data let's get more proof <laughs> let's get more accountancy let's get more yeah. evidence let's go but it, the fear comes in yeah. whereas the maverick guy who starts it or with the vision the, the balls it takes to go mm. oh, i'm going after it let's go i think you hit nail on the head more that's noise. exactly what it is so actually the uh 
the success can cause you to question your um, your your ability. That's exactly what it is, and then you get um, you get shafted by everyone else mm. around you with the f- filling your head with fear, and you know the directors, other other people, uh, non-execs, all sorts coming in and saying, "Well, what about this? What about that?" and and then you start falling for it. You're absolutely right, and then you, you lose that um, inner child that you. Uh, of what you founded the business from and what you did and you you, you lose that absolutely uh, and then you also another thing to consider is that you you know you get battered over time by people and then you start to question yourself yeah. and say is it really me am i am i am i good enough do i treat people you know in a in a place that's good enough uh, yeah can i really do it and then you end up then you end up in a bit of a cycle and that that's when you know most people turn to you know some form of uh uh, release escapism yeah, yeah. exactly and it doesn't matter what form that is whether it's overtraining at the gym whether it's going out uh, drinking it doesn't matter it takes a form and it manifests in your life and, we, and it happens to all of us and anyone that says they don't have that is, no. is lying it's just not true well it's funny I think of all the you know you know my story but all the rehab and all the yeah. therapists I've been through and all that stuff I'm still left with me I've worked yeah. on I've worked on the, the dad not being there in my childhood I've worked on it being tough and, and you know, it wasn't a sob story. I didn't come from a tough, no. tough background, but I, I, I had one pair of football boots to last me three seasons and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I remember coming and seeing better people around me. And but once I worked through all that trauma yeah. and all that sob story and all that hardship, yeah. I'm 33 and I'm still me. There's yeah. still this animal inside me that won't quit. Totally. There's still this. So it, many times, the gift is a curse. It's not. It's not because where you come from. It's not because I had that with footballers. You go, you know, do you think I need to have come from the back streets of South America where I've had to yeah. scrap for a sandwich? I said, well, you might do, but you just told me you had this voice in your head go today, say, run till you can't breathe. I said, how much more severe does it get? Like, yeah. you know. Um, I think you have to have been through some pain in your life, but I, I, I don't believe that everyone has to come from some impoverished background to no. be successful. No. Um, y- you it's have you that are. it's who you are and um like you said everyone's got a everyone's got a sob story you know mm. I, you know you can play a card whatever card you yeah. want to play i was you know um i well, was adopted and you can say that in many respects you know i had a beautiful upbringing and think but that still puts your head uh, in some days it puts your head in a spin and says well why has this happened to me and where have i come from so everyone's got a, a card to play but I, like you said i just uh I have this thing inside me. I just suck <laughs> it well, kills me some days. <laughs> I wish I didn't have it inside me. Well, this I'd have a bit of an easier life. I can't walk today because of what <laughs> I did at the gym today. I'm 41. I was just thinking to my, looking at myself, saying, "Why am I still doing this to myself? What, what's my problem? Yeah, Why do I still find it funny?" It as well. I mean, <laughs> but it, it's in, and, and we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up in 30 seconds here. But yeah. the first half. But it's um, yeah, I, I find it fascinating. Once you've worked through all the trauma, there's still this year. Once you've worked through all the adoption yeah. issues and you've come through the, the child and you've you, you're going, well, I'm. St- this this beast is still there. Yeah. It's not about proving people wrong. It's no. not about filling the void that Dad left. It's not about. It's nothing to do with that. It's me. So, I think I think it's the acceptance of, of understanding. Maybe it's taken me till I was quite late on in life, and yeah. I think I think yeah. maybe my um, maybe my success will you know my perceived success with myself will come now. I've recognised that. I think that's the that, that I'd say it's the key. Well, it's a great it's a great way to wrap up the first part of uh, the gift is a curse we'll come back in the second part we'll be delving a lot more into this mindset and a lot more deeper into culture and industry and the cultures of your business how it's grown and and everything else lovely look forward to it this podcast is brought to you in association with the turmeric company with unique extracting technique eliminating dilution of these incredible active ingredients the turmeric company have produced a series of powerful drinks with five grams of turmeric in every bottle they're leading the way and enabling people to reap the full benefits of nature's wonder ingredient. Details can be found at www.thetermericcompany.com. So welcome back to the second part of um, 
gives us the curse. In the first part, Pat, we talked about you know, childhood, schools, early start, early days in business. And, yep. and we start, we touched on many, well, maybe we touched after 10 minutes on, on depth, but we kept holding you off. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you've introduced me to this world. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, now I can't no, get out no of coming it. out of it. Um, I wrote a couple of things down here for a, for a blog I'm doing um, around the gift is a curse, and, and, and I've and I've put why why did it hurt me so much? Why was I so hard on myself? Why did I pick up on every vibe and emotion when I walked into a room or a dressing room? Why was nothing ever enough? Why was this um, powerful sense, moral sense I had of right or wrong, always so present in me? Um, why why did this torture me so much? Um, what else up here? Uh, why have I got this part in me which is bloodthirsty and can be an absolute warrior, yet this other part of me which cries at kittens and everything else is complete polarity, sensitivity. You know, why was there such a sense of loneliness always inside me? So th- there's all these things. Um, so I think we finished up that first half and we were talking about um, you know, starting to get into... into into culture and into into who we are. So you, you've set your business up, business up now, and there's, there's three directors originally, and, and you're still standing. Here you are, 18 years on, and you're still standing. And, and, and with any business set up, as anyone listening will know, you know I'm divorced. It, it it it's a breakup of a relationship, and and all that stuff is is difficult. And but here you are, still coming, still going on. You you contacted me. Uh, what? So I started social media 18 months ago. You saw a particular post. Yep. This is not about me at all. This podcast, but but I think it, it leads us into something that's that's a good talking point. Mm-hmm. I think I can't remember the post I did. Do you remember it? I think it was about Guardiola, wasn't it? Man yeah, it was a it was a post about honesty. Honesty, and it just um, it just really resonated. It's really weird, isn't it? Because mm. uh, uh, my uh, my interest in social media or anything like that is 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 non. I. I <laughs> I'm only on LinkedIn because my marketing uh, head of marketing would actually kill me if I wasn't on it. I have no social media. My wife finds it a bit odd that I'm not interested. But like you said, that there was this one thing that, that really stood out and resonated around honesty. And I think maybe um, maybe I was just a, I was ready for it at the time. Um, I think I think maybe I'd yeah I'd probably been lying to myself for a long time and denying uh, myself feelings, denying myself uh, vulnerability. I had a, a yeah. I probably had a bunch of issues. It's probably fair to say, and I'd never addressed them over the years. And I think that was a large part of that was all the things I'd learned in business. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd been taught a certain way. What had you been you taught? Uh, you certainly don't talk about your feelings. Definitely not. That's that's a sign of weakness. Um, you you know, if in order to scale or grow, you need to be driven by data and metrics and KPIs and all the rest of them, and. Uh, uh, they were just probably the, ma- the the main two things, and you know you just have almost like a I don't know everyone else telling you uh, what to do and how to do it. They it gives you just a lot of white noise, and then you you really don't know what you know what floats your boat and what doesn't. Mm. I'm sure data and metrics works for many people. I'm sure it does. Mm. It's just it was never how I uh, I proved that at school. You know, wasn't bothered by it. it didn't no. it didn't interest me. I didn't you know. That was not my psychology. I had a feeling about something, and I went after it. Mm. And uh, you know, somewhere along the line, in that twenty years, I, d- I definitely lost that. I got battered out of me by my environment, like you said. When you start doing well, you you know, you suddenly start thinking, "Oh, I'll do that. <laughs> I, d- I don't need that." And then you, you lose what, what what's right to, you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, funny enough, you say the social media thing. I mean, when you, you contacted me, it was amazing because 
why did I set social I, I, I didn't have any social media up until 8 months ago 18 months ago nothing and I guess I came to a decision with a young footballer I was working he's like man you've got to put something out there because when we're with the England under 20 21s in a hotel so all the boys were on Instagram looking at who's the latest here. Yeah. and I said yeah you know he said you could be helping people if you put some posts out there I was like yeah that's a fair one you know and I thought you know maybe I could take this into the corporate world no idea yeah. of the corporate I've never been in it in my life but I felt that what I was doing was <coughs> excuse me able to come a cut across industries and um, and here we are. And I remember, I remember we met. You contacted yep. me, and we met, which was great after all those years. Because it's hard. It's, it beats me up at times because I left school at sixteen. Had such a tight. We had such a. There was a yeah, tight, really tight group. group. Yeah. But obviously, football, leaving and going into the football world. All my mates became footballers. I'm all over the country. Yeah. I missed a whole bunch of weddings because I'm totally. playing on Saturdays. I had to be disciplined. I couldn't come to student unions, although I did a few times. <laughs> um, you know, I had games and uh, and it was difficult. So you getting in contact was great. I remember coming in to, to meet you and we sat down and we said, okay, let's give this a go. Come in and do you think you could help my company coaching? Yeah. So I come in and I remember you saying to me, you know, what, what, what's the plan? I'll never forget that. You know, what's the plan? I, I wanted a plan. No, it's cool, man. <laughs> I've been so taught. I need three stages <laughs> or five stages. Give it to me. Mm. Sh- show me how it works. Give me the time scales. Tell me what goes on. Yeah. I want to see how it works. Mm. We all want to see that. Yeah, and I remember saying to you, sorry, <laughs> man, I haven't got a plan. I said, isn't the plan the one the PA sent me? They're coming at 8.30 <laughs> and you're going to do some coaching with a few people and a chat. And she, she can't even get me anywhere on time, <laughs> so she tries hard. But, you know, I, I, I found it fascinating because I... I was sceptical about coming into this world because I guess working with a footballer, you're, you're not in any system. No. It's me and them. They make a decision whether they want this. Yeah. We, they pay me. It's in the shadows. Yeah. It, 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 it. And it's your, it's, you, you've known it. It's your life. Yeah, it's, what, it's very easy talking yeah. to people that have gone through the same journey. But I'm also, like. I speak well and I, I went to public school like you, so I knew I could. But I thought, I, all, I have is, all I have is authenticity. Yes. So when you ask me the question, What's the plan? I could have gone, shit, I have an opportunity here. Fucking hell, I could work, work in the yeah. corporate world. So what I'm going to do is manipulate this and say there's yeah. this great plan and create this spreadsheet. Absolutely. But I thought I'm worthless if I do that. So totally. let me say, let's just give it a go. And and it was, a, I think when I first came in, it was it, the culture now, we're nearly a year on, but the culture yeah. shifted dramatically. Yeah, usually. Talk to you about, I want to talk, dig into you about, so, so you, you had this way of, what the business world had taught you. I was taught the same thing in football. It led to yeah. rehab, to, to re, you know, it led to <laughs> bottoming well out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it led to complete bottoming out to actually go, there's a different way. Yeah. Because even though people are successful, definitely, what's success? If you actually dug into the rest of their lives, it's a train wreck. Yeah. yeah. I, I know these guys, their life's a train wreck, but yeah. when they walk over into the glossy, they yeah. perform. So, I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to, you have to break in order to be, to be built back up again. Now your break was what happened to you. Yeah, I mean, sure, I, I sure. yeah, I but, probably but you were at that point. Oh, definitely. I'd had I'd had that break. I just hadn't maybe got to where you'd got to. Yeah. But I um, I'd still broken. I was broken inside. I was questioning my ability to do things, basing things on making money, not on other things. And I think, uh, you know, there was no authenticity into in terms of what I was doing, and that would explain why the the, the business, you know, although grew, in in my mind, never achieved what it needed to achieve. If that makes sense. Mm. So that that was the bit that uh, I guess really attracted me to you. And then when when you said to me, oh, "I don't have a plan," I, 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 it really got me thinking. I went away that night and I was like, "What, what the fuck's he talking about?" <laughs> Mate, every coach I've had, I've had God, <laughs> God knows how many coaches that like uh, that into the business. I've had loads of them, and um, 
And they'd always had a plan. I was like, what's he talking about? Who's this fucking joker that I went to school with and was best mates with 20 years ago? And he comes back into my life and he says, fuck your plan. Chuck it out the, uh, the, 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 the window. But, you know, when you've had, you know, when you've had 20 years of, of people saying, look, you need to have this, you need to have a plan. Mate, everyone loves it in business. You hear this, this five-year plan. Mate, if you think, you know, any of these big uh, organizations, when you mention their names, and you know, these unicorns that have grown, they've got a five-year plan. They don't know what goes on past six, three, well, six, like, 12 months. I remember sitting in meetings, crisis meetings at football clubs, <laughs> and there'd be a tw- 12, ge- the next 12 games would be drawn up on the board. 15 matches would be drawn up on the board with the dates next to it. That's two and a half months. That scares and, and the shit out of me. Just go game <laughs> by game and just have a look and see we, how it... <laughs> we were asked as a team on a few occasions what, how many points, what the point oh, total Jesus. we think we could get. And I actually remember people going, yeah, 20, 26, 20... It was like I don't know. It was like you know. It was like a, a game show. Yeah. I remember sitting there, and I, I always knew. You know, my grandfather always said, you know, he was an entrepreneur. You know, retired, lost it all, made it all, tired at forty-five, made it all again. And he always said, there's too many chiefs in our family, not enough, not enough yeah. Indians. And and I remember sitting there at twenty-three years of age, thinking, this is bullshit. Yeah. How the hell totally. do we know how many points we're going to get in, <laughs> in four weeks' time? People, three people could break their legs. But maybe that's the difference between uh, you know p- people that can live with the plan and people that can't live with the plan. Yeah. You could, you, you know. But again, it's all cultural and how you're taught that you have to have some sort of plan well so as you get a bit older sorry older as your company gets a bit bigger and you have more people then you're kind of forced into doing it a little bit but really you know that that's when that's probably the lesson i've learned this year is that Mm. people can't handle not having a plan just don't be part of the business i'm really sorry i can't offer you that Mm. and that that's the I think that's what will really make us shoot ahead in, in what we do based on, on the fact that the people left around are able to deal with But I remember saying, change. and you're right, and I remember saying, we were talking in the early days and and, and I said, mate, don't, don't, don't worry. People will eliminate themselves. You won't yes. need to do anything as you make the cultural shifts and, yeah. and you start to get people, and you give, the, you give them every chance yeah. to coach them and say, okay, let's dig into you a little bit and how are you feeling about the yeah. workplace? How can we improve? What are your fears? Yeah. If they don't want to sign up for that, they'll eliminate themselves totally. with their behaviour. It's like a child, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, the haters club just gets getting bigger. <laughs> I've got 18 years of it. Yeah. A, you know, there's a long list of people mm. that would probably start off a separate website for mm. um, for, for hating. But yeah, like you said, it's uh, I, I can't stop it. It's a, it's a change. The business is evolving. It's changing. I'm not eliminating people on purpose. If I could start with the same team I started with 18 years ago and still be here, my life would be a lot easier. Mm. Anyone that says they like change is just absolutely lying. No, none of us like change. No. Do, you know, do I like changing my workout that I did from last week? No, definitely not. Why do you it's do it? Hurt me. Why <laughs> do you do it? I like being punished. Yeah, <laughs> I just no, love and, it. And also, you know, you, sorry, throughout this, you'll probably hear the wind is just picking up. I'm just going to grab the, the computer and blow off completely. Um, yeah, we're sitting here on the, you know, we're, we're on actually a floating, a floating dock. Dock. Uh, yeah. In the middle of. Yeah. In the middle of rural Victoria docks, we've got the Sunseeker yacht next to the XL Centre, and then uh, a couple of people are <laughs> wakeboarding in the back. It's a very random location. But you, co- you come to this place. This is this is one of your great switches offs now, isn't it? Because you you know you've done the drugs and the drink and everything that, that I've done, and the women in the, in the early days. Yeah. You, you know, when you're 17, 18, all that, and and so now it's like the, the healthy. What are the healthy switches? This is my like? happy Gilmore, uh, happy place. This yeah. is, and uh, yeah, like you said, you have to have a you have to have a place. And so you, had, you, get you your, head down here. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, if you don't have that, then guess what? You do turn to. Uh, what other uh, other form? Ones. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, uh, you know, I'm abs- I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not judging you for doing whatever else. But I think the one thing that's helped him, it helped me, 
um, to deal with all the change and everything else that's going on is just having something where you have got a happy place. Mm. And it doesn't matter where it is. Again, you shouldn't judge people if it's reading a book in a in in a greenhouse and so be it. That's what it is. But this is mm. yeah, this is my little place. I get into the water. Uh, I forget about everything. I, ca I can't look at my phone, which helps massively because mm. I'm on the water. Mm. It's mm. not waterproof, <laughs> and I don't want to drop it in a ten meter dock. Uh, so that's really helpful. But I, yeah, I think that's a really important part in anyone's life to get that peace weekly. So, so and. And today you come down here, I don't mean today, but generally these days in the last year, you've come down here being aware of your feelings. And that was the first thing we started to do, wasn't it? Talk about, because what, what my great belief was when, when, I, when I retired from playing, what I'm going to do next, did the physical stuff for a bit. And then I just had this natural gift. I'm so deep, I had this natural, it was a gift of understanding people, I understood myself. Yep. And I just thought there's far more people going through this than, than we'd have believed. And it, this whole mental health issue, we talked about buzzwords. Yes, look, trauma will cause mental health, loss of jobs, death, grief, uh, all this stuff causes mental health issues. But I think there's a deeper thing in the workplace, certainly in professional football, I see pressure causes it. Not being able to feel yeah. will start to make us mentally we get out of our feelings and our heart and our yep. instincts and our gut and we get into here this is where the issues lie well, I don't think it's just football or business no, I think no. it's relationships it's like you said underneath the, 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 the you know underneath everything else there's a, there's a people not talking about their feelings and I didn't do it for many many years I think that's been the one thing I draw from it is that um, it's okay to feel do I feel angry do I feel good do I feel bad you know, do I want to do certain things that, you know, that maybe um, that <laughs> not very nice yeah. or are amazing? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's OK to feel those. It doesn't mean I act on all those mm -hmm. feelings. But th the big thing is un understanding uh, uh, and sharing my feelings, which um, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, I put that as probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. I'd say it's up there. Yeah, yeah. You, you're um, the hardest being uh, vulnerable in front of other people, uh, whether it be my wife, whether it be my work lot. Um, but funny you say that, the biggest change I've seen in, in nine, 18 years in my work lot was breaking down in front of them yeah. and saying, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I've just, just, bought, you know, just bought my business partner out. He, he hates me, quite rightly so, and uh, I'm not sure whether I can pull, you know, change the business strategy from recruitment into consulting. I'm not sure if I can uh, pay my tax bill in July. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if I can pay you lot next month. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm just not sure. I, d I don't, you know. So th that uh, level of vulnerability, um, I, I was staggered at, at the response. I thought I'd just get, you know, the response would be, you know, God, he's in weak. What's he talking about? Yeah, I'm going to work for him. The leader. Yeah, exactly. Thought he was the leader. But by doing that and showing that uh, I wasn't this sort of chipper, happy-go-lucky, cocky little bastard. <laughs> That, uh, that, uh, that I felt the pressure and, and, and it's natural, mm. very natural to feel that whether you're, it's all relative as well, like I said to you, you know, some, some of the things I go through will be nothing compared to what, you know, a major CEO of a big business might do or, uh, and a small business won't go through what I've gone through in the last 12 months. Buying out your business partner um, who's your best mate uh, puts a huge amount of uh, uh, mental uh, strain on you and, um, I'd say that, yeah, apart from understanding my feelings, probably one of the toughest things I've ever had to mm. do and will ever have to do. And uh, I think had I not been in touch with my feelings and open to talking about it, I probably wouldn't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'd be in the place I am now. I wouldn't be in a happy place, I'd be somewhere else. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I believed in was, uh, when 
I started this coaching journey was was feelings. I remember the first time I worked with a golfer right at the start and I wasn't charging for this thing. I was trying to transition not from playing to the next career. I was actually doing the physical stuff and I had a you know, fantastic business working on top, top footballers from the likes of Harry Kane to Walcott, Oxlade Chamberlain at the house. Yeah. It's but not it, enough. It didn't feel enough. I, no. I felt my calling was elsewhere and I started helping a golfer and he was, he was bottoming out, missing a couple of cuts. I just asked him how he felt. I'm scared not going to make it not going to be good enough started to dig into his natural talent his instincts yeah. started to act, he started to look at the paper and go shit I'm, I'm good aren't I I said well, you're, better, you're better than good if you're telling me you picked up a club at 12 and by 15 you're off plus 2 I'd say you're better than good with minimal lessons I'd say you're outstanding so there's not much to find no. and yet this search starts this search away from instinct you almost got to find more yeah. do more and I think this is where the I read, a, I read a piece with Arsene Wenger talking the other day. I said off, off, off recording that he talked about now, having left the Arsenal manager's job, that science is growing too big. That it's yep. almost, and science is there because the fear of the management and leadership that shit, it's such a precarious job. Yep. We, we could lose any moment we could get sacked. Please, somebody, show us some proof that we won't get sacked. Yep. Alleviate our fears from us. We can't, we can't alleviate them. There's no stat out there. And, and we almost have to look at our fears, don't we, and go, shit, <laughs> I'm shitting myself, but what can I do? Yeah. You know, uh, well, I think you hit the nail on the head, that's it. But you're, you're conditioned in society to look at, you know, what are the stats? What, you know, everyone wants a KPI in business. It's the same as, you know, everyone judges you and, you know, oh, my God, you had 37% in the end <laughs> half, but you didn't score a goal, you had seven shots on goal. Well, it doesn't matter if you have one shot on goal or seven. If you yeah. scored a goal in that one, it doesn't matter. It's exactly the same in business. It's... Uh, but I do think it's all, it's all driven by fear, yeah, and lack of people uh, uh, being open about their feelings and saying they're scared, in particular in leadership roles. I think that's like the, uh, uh, that, that's the key, that's the, um, it's the holy grail, that's your, your three-step, five-step, ten-step process all in one. That, that, but, but if I'm honest with you, having to go through it, like you, you said, if I'm honest with you, I found it really deeply um, uh, terrifying and, um, and hard to do. Uh, Which bit? I mean, but when we, uh, I, I just, just admitting your feelings. Just you know, just uh, I don't know whether it was. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of really interesting uh, stuff that's been written in the in the press about you know, post World War, you know, second generation, you know, babies and things like that, and our parents' generation not not sort of uh, t- talking about stuff. But my, you know, to be fair, my um, certainly my, d- my dad was very open with his feelings. My mum maybe less so, but. Um, I just think there's a culture where you just don't talk about your, you know, it's just in general. It's like, you know, when you ask that question, how you doing? And, and, yeah. and it's a rhetorical answer, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah I'm it's good. It's nonsensical, yeah. Ah, so why would I ask you that? What's the point? I you went know? through a stage post rehab of being really honest with that and uh, <laughs> it didn't go down too well. I, I, I've, tr- I've, got, I've honed it in a bit now, but no, I, I was so hell bent on walking this honest path for my own sanity. So people <laughs> would ask me how I am. I said, you know, um, how am I? And I'd pause, I'd go, uh, I'm fucking shitting myself today. I've, I think I'm worthless. I'm pretty pointless. Um, yeah. Didn't we? Didn't want to get out of bed, but here I am. And you can see them looking at you. You are absolutely mental. This is almost with these young guys. It, it's validating that when you actually go, no, no, that's that's normal thinking. That's that's cool. Yeah, like, totally. Really. And I think more so with extreme thinkers, gift is the curse. These these yep. extrovert types. I said when I came out of here, but the, the hardest thing was getting my feelings back. The yeah. best thing was getting my feelings back. Yeah, totally. So how how now, how does that, for you practically, what does that look like as a leader of a, of a, of a very successful company? What does that look like for you now, getting your feelings back day to day with your, with your teams, conversations? Uh, I guess it's a number of things, really. First of all, um, 
you know, it's okay to say I'm, fuck, I'm feeling shit. I'm not having a good time. My head's not in a good place. And, and it's completely okay to do that. And also, more importantly, it's okay for my, you know, for people in my d- team in the office to say, look, shit, I'm not, I'm not having a good time. And I you encourage that? Fuck yeah. Yeah, I, I never used to. Jesus, <laughs> I didn't want to listen to that before. <laughs> and now you don't <laughs> let them off the hook. N- now, no, I want to know. I want to know where their head's at. And, and actually, I'm getting better and better at understanding and picking that uh, intuition up, which is really annoying because I had that... Uh, my mum always used to say it, and I should have listened to Go her. On, what did she say? I never, never told me this. I, I, intuition, you know, she had this intuition on 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 people, and she said it's a gift. She's like, look, she you was know. very successful. Yeah, she was a, a PA and, uh, for a, a, a big, uh, yeah, you know. But she said intuition is everything. Your instincts on someone are rarely she wrong. Said. She always used to judge people. So she always loved you and, and a lot of the <laughs> other kids at school. But it was something she hated. And she called from a very young age that she was, she was you know, but, but that, that, that's the bit when you go mm. through life, you're... You know, I've got a five-year-old. He runs on instinct. He yeah. doesn't know the facts. No. He doesn't know this. He's, if his instinct no is, I don't like that person, well, I'm mm. not going to hang around with that person. And do you know what? He's, he's probably right, you know, nine out of ten times. Yeah. F- fuck it. Why are you scared about the one out yeah. of ten times you get it wrong? Yeah. Are you joking me? Yeah. That, that was, that's the thing I lost. I got so worried about that wrong decision I'd make and not forget about the eight or nine that I got right. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about business. It's just about making ro- what makes other people successful more than others. It's getting more decisions right than wrong. Yeah. And, and then when you, you're leading, making decisions based on fear, you, you get those decisions wrong because you, you, you know, it's a bit like um, watch the the the, uh, the the playoffs final yesterday. Mm-hmm. Derby, uh, Derby yeah, yeah, exactly. And and guess what? Villa were playing without fear when I see Derby, and okay, they turned it on for the last 15 minutes. But you know, you play with this fear inside you that thinks, well, you know, I need to shut up shop, I need to defend. No, you, you've got to go and score. You well, want to win the game. You want to, you, you know, it's the same in business. Well, it's funny. I was sitting with a couple of mates watching it, and uh, there was two of them, husbands and, and, and friends, uh, my wife's friends, and, and I was saying, um, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk you through mentally what's going on as the ball's getting passed. Yeah. They said, What do you mean? I said, Okay, see that player now. He said, Shit, shit, shit. Don't give me the ball. Don't give me the ball. Fuck. Fucking, I've given the last <laughs> three away. Shit. Fucking hell. I thought, well, Where's the manager? Manager's there. I said the ball hasn't been passed yet, but and I'm just giving you a snapshot into That's what's how I played on. my football <laughs> for 20 years. <laughs> don't give me the ball, don't give me the ball. <laughs> so there's all this stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and by Frank Lambard's admission after the game, he said, you know, we were lacking courage. Totally. And, and he's, look, you know, the top player, and he's looking like a top manager. And he said, you know, it takes a lot of courage to play at this place at Wembley. Any place it takes courage, any business yeah, yeah. to make decisions and, and, and back yourself. But fear, so fear doesn't go away just because you start feeling stuff it just means you feel everything even more that's the yeah. thing with feelings you feel even more scared totally even more in love even more uh, empathy towards yep. homeless even more empathy towards totally. to switch your feelings on which is painful yes but I think you have to be a hell of a gifted individual that's the gift that you even want to go there um, it's the um, the best there. way I ever heard it described is that you've got to be very reflective and you've got to look at yourself and like you said that's horrible that yeah, is not good. It's, no. it's not nice. No, no. you don't want to uh, uh, hold a mirror up and, and look at yourself. It's, it's painful. It's not nice. And you, t- you talked about that. It's that you know it's the same in the business world. You mm. go out and you know we had a big pitch last week and 
you know we're in the room and everyone's there and we you know we know that this is a, it's a game changing amount of bit of money for our business if we win the work um and you know the the rooms shortly gets back to well you know well let's let's, let's offer them this and do this <laughs> and you're like no you know uh, of course i'm scared i'm going to go into the room i'm going to have eight, eight angry people in mm. business asking me you know why on earth should they go with us rather than a uh you, you know a bit a big corporate consulting firm who'll have all the answers they'll have a slick powerpoint presentation they always do yeah. they've got beautiful suits on and, and mm. they've got a beautiful load of answers and they've probably called a partner but but the, the the, the bottom line is is when we start feeding off that fear then that you, you you're not going to win the win the project and you're not going to you're not going to deliver what you want to deliver and um i said to you earlier in the in the cab like one of my slides which i, I put in was um honesty i'm going to level with you if i can't deliver the project i will just tell you but the, 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 you know there's so few people that are have got that uh, did you present that yeah. So I when the honesty slide popped up, did you did you catch any eyes? Did you? Oh, I think there's a lot of people looking at Shopping. the floor saying I've never heard of that before. It was a honesty, it was a big that? investment bank. <laughs> They're all busy uh, <laughs> stabbing each other in the back to get to get to uh, MD or ED or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <coughs> again, I you know I haven't always led my life like that. I'm not mm. sat here saying that I have, but I'm just saying I would say that's a big learning lesson for me. Um, is the level of honesty and. It's quite often it, it makes you very vulnerable if you're if you are that honest, like you said, because people don't want to hear about that, and the people that aren't open to it will will judge you on it. And, and but, but you know, then the bottom line is, why do you want to work with them if they're not on your level? Then well, well, also you got to have massive courage because you you and this is what you have to let the universe take over. And I'm do. not talking about God here, religion. I'm talking about man's finite little brains and our finite yes. little power. You know, you don't have to look at the ocean. I I I, 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 t- I you know I when I think about the power of the universe and destiny or whatever. I think I look at mountains. Yeah. I remember sitting on the beach in Cornwall for throwing rocks, just sitting there watching this ocean. I thought this fucking ocean's buried. Some of the biggest ships that man yep. think man thinks we're genius. Let's build the Titanic ocean. Yeah, yeah. I'll spit you out. Warships. Well, we'll spit you out. Galleons <laughs> will spit you out. Yeah. The mountains have seen people off yet. There's man going, no, no, we, 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 we can create a, um, what we'll do is we'll create a, a spreadsheet. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anything Mate, if you've got a pivot table, that'll sort everything out. Yeah, 9-11. Who, who pictures that happening? Yeah. So, yeah. We, we, I spent, you know, my other sort of happy place outside of this, I spent a lot of time uh, uh, snowboarding, um, in particular in Chamonix. And that mm. was, um, like you said, it's a, it's a humbling place. You get to the top of the mountain, you've got to have the deepest, deepest respect for for nature because mm. it will chew you up and spit you out yeah. and, it, and it did to a number of every year it takes the lives of a number of people and mm. and, and um like you said there is there, there are things conspiring that you you can't can't picture but i think the other thing that you get taught from a very young age is you you, you try and control everything and you cannot like we control you you because of fear don't we there we go yeah exactly the, the, the more scared i am the more we lock down and go into ultra control mood. Totally, it's, it's like like my football. Exactly the same <laughs> one. Never, never achieved premiership because <laughs> the, the the fear of someone passing me the ball, it would bounce off my foot, um, was fear. I didn't, you know, but that, that, that again, fear for a footballer, the, the scariest thing for a footballer is the ball. It's the thing it that is. can absolutely you don't, humiliate you. Don't, you don't want it. And and, and 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 in business, the scariest thing is 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 the is the sell, isn't it? I guess, yeah. or it's the. It's get, yes, getting in front of people, front and, tell, of people. and telling them what you know, how you do things, and what you do, and, and not being scared to um, to do certain things. But yeah, totally, it's, it's playing with that freedom. You talk, you know, yeah, I'm not going to go deep no, into no, the whole no, football no, analogy, no, no, but the, you know, the people that, that play the best are um, 
are those that, that um, look at fear. Uh, they understand the fear mm. and they say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to level with you. That's mm. going to really, you know, I'm really worried about that, mm. but I'm just going to play without. Mm. And if I lose the ball, I'll go back and, and pick it up. Mm. And if I do that, I'll do that again. Mm. It's the same in our business. Mm. If we lose this pitch we had last week, we'll go back and mm. we'll do another one. Mm. And then we'll do another one. But you won't get off the track of offering honesty and offering these amazing services. But th- th- there you go. That's when that's when we you know when someone's uh, career's washed up. Mm. The minute they start, you know, not liking the grind, and the, uh, they're like, you know, I want an easy life. I want someone to guarantee me some money and have an easy life. And then you know, they're um, they're not right. And if you're surrounded by people like that, then um, y- yeah, I, d- I don't think you'd be uh, you'd be around for too long. So you've you've seen so much already in 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 what, twenty odd twenty twenty five yeah. years of business now starting at the bottom <laughs> yeah. from, from, I remember we haven't even gone there but the bar you worked in in Bedford where you were you <laughs> 16 working there washing well they told you you were going to be washing glasses but realised very quickly that actually this, this this guy could sell more than anyone here <laughs> so then you moved up and then and then now run your own company which has seen you know started three directors as all many companies people relate to it's ended up with you here and this massive cultural shift that I've been very privileged to be part of and watching you know watching you get back to and all, all I could do as a coach is share what I what I knew had, had not enabled me to fulfil myself and led me to a great misery, and the answers were simple. The answers I've got inside, they're my instincts, like your mum said. Yeah, yeah. And then I just have to work bloody hard, and I, and, I, and and I have to work bloody hard, be honest, and act with my instincts and trust. And then you, as a, as a company leader, then I've got to convince everybody else you don't need metrics and stats, and all will be well. Yeah, well, I think well, I was lucky. I had you in order well, to help help with the, the other people on that journey, yeah, and, and yeah. they're not uh, probably not there to, to be fair fully. I mean, you never are. No. You never get to that end point. No. But I think you uh, hit the nail on the head. I think what you uh, what you gave to me, which you know no one else had managed to give to me, was just leading me back to myself and saying, you know, it's okay to be mm. who you are and what you are. Um, it is okay to have this. Uh, you know, I got criticised for it loads. It's burning desire, and I was like, "Mate, you just need to chill out. You need to stop." You know, I used to get that. Yeah, just, just chill out. Drives mate. me mad. Oh. I would have people saying, "You know, you're, you know, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Your drive is too much. You're putting everyone off." Too much for who? And for them? Well, yeah, for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it wasn't for me. No. <laughs> um, you're like, really? I'm about to go wakeboarding and then going to jump off a building tonight. <laughs> okay, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the gym this morning. I've had a run and then going wakeboarding and then I'm going to work till ten o'clock at night. Well, yeah, you know, that's it. it. So mm-hmm. what? Um, so I think just leading me back to myself and then uh, helping me show that my uh, uh, vulnerability is is a very 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 positive thing, mm. and and a bit like you said, I think there's such a danger with what's going on in this uh, mental health world that people are getting snippets, mm. and those little snippets are very dangerous yeah, because are. really the, the holy grail is getting back to your self. Uh, yourself and your feelings and understanding and accepting who you are, um, and not and not judging yourself because we all love to do that, don't we? And it's all it's all personified by social media. I'm not going to be the one that digs out social media, um, but it, it, it gets personified nowadays because it, that didn't happen in our days, did it? It didn't. You, you weren't judged online. I might have been judged on the sports field or at yeah, school and everything else, no. but I then didn't get you know harassed and hounded online for various different things. Yeah, mate. That's uh, believe it or not, that's an hour. Wow. I'm going fi- to finish this off with a uh, with a small thing I wrote. That I finish these off with. May, may the universe grant us the serenity an internal peace to accept all parts of ourselves, the things we just cannot control, the courage to follow our guts and hearts, our instincts, be who we're born to be, and finally the wisdom to know the difference. So, Patrick Crompton, really appreciate your time today, mate. You can go wakeboarding now. Thank you for the universe for putting me back in touch with Drew <laughs> Thanks, after man. 20 years. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm going to see you wakeboarding as well. No, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll break my back on there. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks.